Media on the Radio is a podcast featuring media professionals. I saw all of these men standing around having these conversations about what should be happening. And those of us that are in front of the camera were sitting there just doing nothing but twiddling our thumbs while we waited. And I said to myself, I want to be part of those conversations. We're talking to everyone from producers to camera operators to people who market and distribute media. Nobody wants to say, yes, I failed, but then we all admire when we hear those stories about a Michael Jordan who got passed over and then he succeeded. Fundamentally learning that it is all a constructed message. So if they are constantly watching things that are saying that they are thugs, that they are not smart, that they are not this or that, they're starting to internalize that and then they're trying to live up to it. Maybe when you were even younger than college, did you know that you wanted to pursue a career in media? And what what kind of caused that to happen? No, actually, I didn't know. I uh, went to college to get a degree in marketing. And in my senior year of college, a friend asked me to be in a theater production that she was directing. It was her senior thesis. So I agreed to do that. And that was kind of my first buzz of being involved in any kind of kind of theater or production and so forth. So I got the bug, and after that I started doing some theater, and then that kind of nat- naturally transitioned into film. And this was, this was in college? This was, yes, in college and then right after college. So what were you studying in college? I was studying marketing. Oh, okay. Yes. And then I went on after college, I went to work for the Federal Reserve Bank, which you know, is one of the most conservative places, um, especially in, 19, in the 1990s, to work. Um, but on the side, I was doing this theater and I was doing film production and I was as an actor. And so one day I was sitting on the set and we were waiting because the director of photography and the director needed to make some changes to the lighting setup. And we sat for hours as they made all these changes. And at one point I looked up and I saw all of these men standing around having these conversations about what should be happening and those of us that are in front of the camera were sitting there just doing nothing but twiddling our thumbs while we waited. And I said to myself, I want to be in part of those conversations <laughs> where, where those people who are making the decisions are. And that led me to start looking into um, actually going to school and learning a little bit more about film production. So you went to NYU Film School. No, I actually went to NYU School of Education. Their Steinhardt School of Education because my background was already in education and learning, and they had a track that was film production focused. So you could merge both media studies with actual film production. And so that's what I did at NYU. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. That's an interesting track. Did What, did, uh, what was it like? Well, it was fascinating. Um, it was because it was very hands-on. Uh, a lot of the the work that we had to do, you know, they actually gave you the film and they gave you the camera and was like, okay, go produce something and work with other people who are doing this. And yet at the same time, we were able to kind of work on these these concepts of theory, you know, and what it is, how the media really affects the way you, you look at the world. Um, and so kind of having those two things be able to merge together was really, I think, uh, a benefit and has served me well as I've created this career for myself. There's any number of ways in which people break into the media field. People that didn't study it at all, didn't go to college, um, dropped out of college. What was your path or journey into it? So I did, while I was in at NYU, I worked on other people's productions. 
that I respected and enjoyed working with. I did some production assistant work for HBO for a while, which is not quite as glamorous as it might sound because really everything was union, and so you really couldn't do anything um, but go get coffee. So, And then when I moved to Washington, D.C., I somehow stumbled up on BET was looking for some kind of some independent folks to just do small pieces for them. So I was able to do the filming, do the editing, kind of, kind of put it all together um, in a total package. So it, was, it just feels like it was really kind of haphazard. Um, and then here and there, as I found a film that I wanted to work on or, you know, script supervising or exec or producing or whatever role I felt like, oh, I want to do this now. And I, there's someone I know who's doing a film. Okay, media on the radio see if is I a podcast on that featuring bandwagon. media professionals. Like I We're said earlier, I, I soon found that it wasn't something I wanted to who market sleep every and day. So media. at some point I was like, well, what is it that you really want to do with this? And for me, it became about the learning and education part of it. And that's how I think eventually I got to Arlington Independent Media, right? Because it was a, a way to put several of those pieces together where you could teach something, but also you could produce something and you could be around people who were excited about learning this particular medium. So I had the pleasure of working with you for, was it three or four years? Yeah, I think it was four years. Yeah. And that was great because you had brought to the table a lot of experience as well as not just shooting and editing editing skills, but really concept development and really, you know, how to host a show, how to bring something that's inside your head, you know, onto the onto the screen. And you had done, I think, a short, a couple short films by that point as well. Um, can you talk about your experience at Arlington Independent Media? Oh, absolutely. Uh, my experiences at Arlington Independent Media were um, fantastic. I think the best part of it for me was the feeling of community of exactly what I know they're that the organization is aiming to create. Um, I felt that not only with the members that we served, but with our staff, you know, in general. Uh, when I left there, it was very sad for me because I felt like I was leaving family. But Arlington Independent Media also gave me an opportunity to um, come up with things and be excited about it and have a group of people who would be like, oh, yeah, let's work on that. Let's bring that to fruition. And then to have the ability to have access to this equipment and these resources was amazing. Uh, so I was, you know, and I was also struck by the general um, focus of the organization on, you know, the the right of free speech. Like that was something that was really important to all of us. And that was, it was exciting to be in that kind of circle of people who this is their focus. And at the same time, let's have fun and be creative as well. And this will get in, start to get into what you're doing now, which is work, working with youth um, in Kansas City. You've moved, since moved back to to your hometown, Kansas City. Um, but can you talk about just in general, what is the concept of media literacy? So when we talk about media, we're talking about radio, we're talking about film, we're talking about billboards, right? Anything that kind of communicates a message through some kind of techno- technological or digital platform. And what we're encouraging people through media literacy to do is be able to understand the underlining constructs of those different platforms. So if you understand how a film is put together, if you understand that there is an editor sitting there deciding where to make cuts, what to delete, what to include, you can understand that, okay, there's a language here. Somebody is making really concrete choices about what I see and hear from this particular piece of media. And so I can understand 
why that might be having the impact or the impression on uh, a specific impression on me. We can talk, I think, a little bit more intelligently when we understand what it takes to put those pieces together and also what it takes for us individually as we assess those pieces. Arlington Independent Media, what makes it so unique is that you have independent producers creating content for for very specific audiences as opposed to a top-down, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of corporate media that, that is controlled by very few people at the top. I also see the importance, really, of media literacy in the way in which news is kind of distributed now. What really, really scares me is I see Facebook posts from these blogs from family members or friends from high school that I that I lost contact with that are from these blogs that I've never seen before that are stealing content from news outlets and just cutting together their own version of the news. And I'm sure that I have kind of my own brand of that that I follow and I look at. But really, that's that's kind of very dangerous for especially for young people learning who's who's behind that message is is really important. Yeah, and I think fundamentally learning that it is all a constructed message. Every message that we we receive, regardless of how you feel about it first, is that somebody sat there and decided what you would and would not see. And if you can really embrace that, then you can allow yourself to take a step back and say, okay, so whatever it is that comes into my Facebook feed or wherever that I'm reading, if I'm willing to say with a grain of salt that I need to make sure that I understand the perspective that this person is trying to tell me. And then I need to also understand that they are deciding which facts I get and which facts I don't get. And so maybe that means I need to do a little bit more research from two to three other sources before I start quoting this particular thing. And that's hard. That's hard for people to be willing to do because it makes it, it requires you to do a little bit of work, right, to, to say, wait a minute, maybe these facts aren't accurate. But I'm hopeful that people want to do that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I'll tell you um, this interesting story. Sure. Um, we were working with some young people who are remanded to the court system, which means that somehow they got in trouble in school. And so now they have to do something that the court has mandated them to do. And so they were coming to our digital media lab and we were having a conversation with them about media literacy and, you know, what's happening. And what I thought was really fascinating is that this, these were a group of young people who were very clear about understanding that they were getting a message about who they were supposed to be. And even if they didn't necessarily like the message, they still found themselves trying to replicate it because they were seeing this as a representation of who they were supposed to be, Right. So if they are constantly watching things that are saying that they are thugs, that they are not smart, that they are not this or that, they're starting to internalize that, and then they're trying to live up to it, even though that may not actually have been who they were. And I thought it was really interesting that there were a couple of them that were able to articulate that. But that is the power of media. It's like when you start to see something over and over again, you start to internalize it as truth. You know, unless you are actively um, engaging in things that show you the opposite of that truth. And I think that that's true of of every, they say, every generation that grows up is the most targeted. Just talk a little bit about the the program that you run at the the library in Kansas City. We run the Kansas City Digital Media Lab, and it's a mobile lab. And so we have our, our equipment packed up in our offices, and we take it out to the branches, 
or um, most recently this year, we also moved into taking it to other nonprofits that serve youth, um, those who who have a great contingency of youth that they work with, but they don't have the budget to include this digital aspect. And we will do everything from audio and video production to 3D design uh, using Unreal, the Unreal Engine, or using Minecraft, or using Tinkercad, so a pretty diverse group. Uh, we also will do things like building radio-controlled planes, you know, because it's teaching kind of the basics of aeronautics and engineering. So we get into some some more kind of maker hands-on things as well as the digital world that we that we reside in. That's interesting. And and when you said digital lab, I assumed it was you know just you know shooting some video and doing some editing. But it seems pretty cutting edge that you're doing some training in aeronautics and and all that other stuff. Yeah, it you know it's really fascinating because that's not how it started. When I first uh, when I got my first major grant that allowed us to. Um, it allowed me to buy a bunch of equipment, which was, you know, 3D. We, we got a 3D printer. We got a bunch of high-end laptops. We got Oculus Rift technology, the virtual reality stuff. Um, and I had all this. I had budgeted for all of this stuff, but I didn't necessarily know how to use it all. Um, and in the grant, it allowed me to hire somebody who would facilitate, um, primarily facilitate the lab. Even when we interviewed him, I was saying, well, we're going to do some a lot of the Mozilla online stuff. I mean, it was very basic that I was talking about when I was interviewing him. But I knew that he brought this really great kind of technical aptitude um, with him. So what happened is we just started working together, and all of a sudden we found out, okay, these kids are really interested in Minecraft. So I said, well, let me write a grant and see if I can get some money to get some more Oculus Rifts, and we'll do a Minecraft major uh, project. So he learned Minecraft on the spot, and... <laughs> We implemented this uh, project, which was really fun, and that's just how it's happened. Like he's like, "Oh, I'm into radio control planes." I'm like, "Okay, let's figure out if we can fund that, you know." And we find the money and um, and we make it happen. So some of it is based on like our interests, and then some is based on the the young people who come into the lab and what they say they're interested in. That's cool. And given how fast technology moves, I remember when I was a PA in in Pittsburgh, in, you know, senior year in college. I remember, I remember um, my boss was like, you know, the fact that you're working with high definition cameras is a really big deal. And, you know, you can go out to L.A. and and put that on your resume. And, you know, that that means something. And it did. It did mean something for about a year. (laughs) And then, you know, things change and and (laughs) it explodes. Right. And Mm -hmm. um, everybody can kind of have access to it. What would you say? In terms of that technology aside, what are the skills or what are the, the takeaways that that you're giving the students? Yeah, I mean what you're saying is extremely important. I mean one of the one of the tenets that we have is that technology is just a tool. You know, it's a tool that we're using. It is not the end all be all. And instead we're really focused on things like because we're both uh the because it's really two of us that manage this lab and both of us have a background in in learning and education, mine is more informal. His is more form- formal. But our 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 things that we say to these young people is one: you have to be an active participant in your learning. So you cannot be a passive participant. You have to actively go out and seek information and learn new stuff and keep your skills up to date and you know figure out what you're passionate about. We also talk about listen and the brain is is trainable. So if you want to learn something and you don't know how to do it now, you can learn it. If you want to put in the time and 
and the commitment that is necessary to do that. And then, of course, the technology is just a tool. And we've seen that in particular uh, with the 3D printer, right? Because, you know, after you do a couple prints, it's like, okay, that was cool. We've seen it. And so when we first started, we were really pushing like, oh, we got a 3D printer. Isn't this cool? We pulled back and said, no, let's focus on 3D design because 3D design is something you can do in a in a several different uh, software applications, and it has a, a you know a greater uh, possibility for use if you really focus on the design process. So how do you come up with a concept and how do you bring it all the way to fruition? Um, we also, of course, work on project management skills. I was able to get some money to bring on a couple of youth. We had 12 young people that were able to work with us on a stipend. And the whole purpose, and we call them Team Digital, their whole purpose was, one, is they were going to learn whatever they wanted to learn through the lab. So whatever particular medium they wanted to focus on, we would support that learning. And then they were required to um, give that learning back. So in some way, they're either going to do a workshop or they're going to do some kind of presentation to kind of talk about their process and what they learned and how other people might be able to do it as well. There's a theory, uh, watch one, do one, teach one. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's it. And, and we try to, you know, re- remind them that, you know, if you can show somebody else how to do it, yes, it reinforces what you have learned. It helps you take your learning to a, a next level. And so that's an interesting process to, to go through. But, you know, it's funny. I mean, as dynamic as young people are today and, you know, we are all like, oh, they can do anything, and they can. They're still teenagers, and we're working specifically with teenagers anywhere from 13 to, to 19. And, you know, there's still basic kind of project management skills that they are learning, how to make sure you call somebody back, <laughs> you know, how to make sure in your emails you're not um, putting 10 exclamation points behind your sentence, you know. You know, some basic fundamental things. And we have a couple young men who have decided they want to create a, a business um, based on the 3D design that they've learned and they want to do some 3D design printed jewelry. And so they've had to kind of create a plan and come up with a name and just talking them through that process of, you know, how do you do that and how do you look at other people who've done it successfully and figure out what works for you and what doesn't work for you, but that there are. There's always something that has come before you that could, is worth learning from, even if you don't take it exactly. You know, you shouldn't take it verbatim, but there's always something that came before that is worth at least <laughs> looking at. That's interesting. I heard about this study in India where they take kind of kids that are not really educated and they basically put them in a in a lab with a computer with access to the Internet and up on the screen, they have some a couple of guys from the UK, and this is kind of an experiment that they did. Mm-hmm. A couple guys from the UK that don't give them any instruction, but can be called upon for being their champion. Mm-hmm. And all they're really doing, they're not telling them how to do anything. All they're doing is saying, you're doing a great job. Keep it up. And what it's doing is promoting 100% self-learning. And also there's the kids are collaborating together. So what they've seen huge gains in the ability to to just find information and find out how to teach yourself or teach a, a group of small, you know, a small group of people. And th- that's not everything, because I think I agree with what you're saying is that, you know, being able to talk through a process or 
it's one thing to kind of learn a lot um, in a small amount of time, but you know there there are next steps and next phases that you you need right. other kinds of instruction. But it is amazing to the the process of learning how to learn is is yeah is pretty well, you, important. It's fascinating because I think it may be a similar. Um, report because the gentleman that I'm thinking, I can't remember his name now, but he put the computers, it was India as well. He put the computers just like uh, physically um, in an area, like, you know, in a building that was no one was using. And they just came up and pushed the buttons and start playing. Mm -hmm. And what I find interesting about that, because I was very taken by that. um, And I think that that also leads to a lot of the conversation about, you know, kids just learning how to learn. I take a little bit of an issue with it because I feel like oftentimes the power of having the adult interaction is immense. What you're saying about the UK researchers giving them the the pats on the back is a big part of where I think the adults are an important presence Mm -hmm. because that's what we're finding when when we're working with these young people is just having an adult say, hey, can you explain to me what you're doing? Or wow, that's really cool that you thought of that. It changes the way they look at it. Um, and so that's fascinating. And, and it definitely, there's some power in that. But I also feel like on the other side, what I've seen is a lot of the young people that come to us, 70% of the kids in Kansas City do not have internet in their home, right? 70%. Wow. 89 are on free and reduced lunch. This is in Kansas City proper, right? But they all have mobile phones. Right. And so they all have and quite a few of them come to the library or they're doing technology um, at school. They have the media that comes in um, that is entertainment focused. Right. So what we see a lot of times is it's not like India where they didn't have they had no knowledge of what the computer was in this particular case that I'm thinking of. They had never touched a computer. So the ability to self-learn was, oh, this is a new thing. And and I have no idea, no context for it, so I'm just going to play and learn. Whereas our kids have kind of a warped context. They have this this vision of perfection with media because they get to see movies that are perfect and video games that are perfect. And then when you have to say, well, wait, well, if we bring you back to the beginning, the beginning's not perfect. If you have to construct this yourself, it's not pretty right off the bat. And that transition for them sometimes can be hard because they want theirs to be perfect immediately. That's a really good point. I was talking to somebody that that hires a lot, of, and this will this will circle us back nicely. Mm-hmm. Hires a lot of people, or or looks at a lot of resumes of people coming at, fresh out of college. And he was saying, just don't don't get down on yourself. Just be honest with with the fact that you still need to learn. Right. You know? <laughs> the, the the idea that your your samples that you're showing me aren't up to the caliber in which professionals are producing things, that's okay. Right. <laughs> but just just be honest with me about where you're at, you know? Exactly. What would you say then, since you're working with so much youth and in, in this kind of cutting ed- edge technology and maybe just in the media field in general, what, what would you say to people coming out of college and what, what do they need? Oh, wow. I really think they need to... Um allow themselves to be okay to not know it all. You have to understand that to create anything great, you're going to have to create some things that are really not so great many times <laughs> first. You know, I mean, it's really that concept of embracing failure. And I know people hate that word and nobody wants to say, yes, I failed. But then we all admire when we hear those stories about a Michael Jordan who got passed over and then he succeeded. 
we love to hear those stories, but we don't want that story to be us. You know, it's like <laughs> right. we just want to be the success and not the failure beforehand. Um, so I would say embrace that um, that that ability to know that it's not going to be perfect right off the bat. And I will say, I um, just a little little story. A friend of mine, I was making some curry chicken, and this is probably the second time I've made it. And there's a restaurant here in Kansas City. That's that a hard I, recipe, by the way. Right, like, it is, right? It's really hard. And there's a restaurant here in Kansas City that I love their curry chicken. So I made this curry chicken and whatever. And so I was saying to him, you know, I said it was it was fine. I said, but it wasn't it wasn't island Caribbean. You know, it just wasn't <laughs> as good as that. And he said to me, Why do you think your second time making <laughs> curry chicken would just come out the box tasted like Island Caribbean. Like, they've been doing it for decades, you know, and, <laughs> and they're Jamaican. I mean, you know, all of these things are in their favor, and you, like, made it twice, and you expect it to be like theirs. And I think that's exactly what we need to remind ourselves about almost everything we do. It's like, don't come out the box thinking it's going to be perfect. Allow yourself a chance to, to grow and learn. Um, and that's and and have fun in that process. Yeah, I think that's a lesson for not just p- young people. I think that's right. <laughs> that's true of of anyone at any time in their career. And that's something we talk about a lot too is the idea of of continued learning because mm. you know that that really impresses me and that that you kind of took those projects on and and you maybe could have easily designed a grant surrounding video and film because that's what you're comfortable with and that's what you know so that's really fascinating that that kind of get into some of that technology and I think it's true of a lot of you know filmmakers it's like it's like well you have to the artist back in the day was to write the great American novel Mm -hmm. like no one no one cares about that anymore (laughs) but now it's like okay so how do I design the, the coolest new app or you know, the documentary doesn't even or film doesn't even matter anymore, right? Because right. It's like, well, let's let's make a film and an app that surrounds it or some, something. Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. it's it, that I can understand why young people are frustrated with with the idea of that that they can't succeed because that's also our, our culture is the American culture is that successful people are the good people and the rich mm-hmm. people are the good people and you know there's. There's some implied dignity in that, whereas it's hard to be on the spectrum where you're still learning. Absolutely. Yeah, I think our culture definitely does kind of propagate that, unfortunately. Last question. What's your goal with this? Pro- it seems like it's it's been going well. What would be your goal or your next phase if you if you had, you know, another grant coming down the pipeline? Well, and actually we did um, get uh, continued funding. So this is the third year now we've been funded um, going into 2016. So I'm very excited about that and um, am in the midst of trying to set those big goals for 2016. And I think the one of the things is that uh, we purchased those virtual reality Oculus Rift goggles with this high expectation of plugging into Minecraft because you were supposed to be able to do that. And it wasn't... It was not an easy process uh, to be able to do that. So we haven't maximized those in the way that I would want to. And that's why we decided to get into this Unreal Engine. I don't know um, if your listeners are aware of it, but Unreal Engine is a free software platform that you can download, and they give you all the bells and whistles. Like you don't have to pay anything 
unless you make like $3,000 off of whatever you create. And then they say, hey, give us 5% royalty. But it allows you to do all kinds of 3D design in that world, including games, architectural designs, movies, and so forth. So I'm really looking at how can we in 2016 take that to the next level with our young people? Um, what would that look like if we could do that, and how can we get them excited about it? I don't know if it's easily, but you can create pretty naturally a connection to the Oculus Rift technology. So I want to see those two things play together a little more um, and to see some of our young people come up with stuff that could be, be used on those platforms. Well, I have no idea what you're talking about, <laughs> but it sounds really exciting, and I'd love to check it out if I'm, I'm ever in town. Yeah, in absolutely. City. I would love that. This is Devin Gallagher, host of Media on the Radio, and thanks for listening. The show is recorded at Arlington Independent Media, or AIM. Thanks to Luke Gallagher for editing help for this episode, and hopefully many more. Find me on Facebook, and also join the conversation on Twitter at Media on Radio 